Hey everyone, welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Faith and Aim with Kay. So this episode is a recording of the live discussion that Morgan and I had on our Instagram on Instagram live about two weeks ago, right before the election. So I was able to kind of get you some of the audio. So if you missed that, it is still up on that at Faith in It with K Instagram page. So you can search at sign Faith in It with K, all one word, um, on Instagram to check out that live. So that was the final episode of season three. So I was able to kind of get some of that audio together for you. Um, So this is just a um, playback, if you will, of that live discussion. So... Yeah, Morgan and I just kind of finished up that conversation talking about the election and the importance of it. Of course, by now, uh, we're all in another (laughs) cycle of uh, Mr. Trump's reality TV show um, as it pertains to uh, the politics um, or his reality show um, that he continues to kind of live um, out during his presidency. So we know that president-elect is, our president-elect is uh, Joe Biden and our vice president, sis, Kamala, Kamala Harris. See, look, my uh, every now and then my uh, immigrant shows <laughs> when I can't pronounce, some, pronounce something right. Um, but I'm super excited Um this is so much, such, such needed victory. Um, I think for many of us, we like, we are truly able to kind of breathe, um, a sigh of relief. Um, this is not the end. Now the, now the real work starts with, uh, keeping, uh, president elect Joe Biden once he becomes president, um, making sure that he fulfills the things that he's promised. Same thing for uh, Sis Kamala Harris, like making sure that she does what she um, needs to do as vice president. But if if she is anything like the person that she has been as a part of the Senate, <laughs> I have no doubt that she will continue to be that powerhouse that we need and continue to be that champion in that voice um, that we need. So I'm super excited and I hope you're excited too, but this is just a pre-recorded conversation right before the election between Morgan and I. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Um, I hope you will go ahead and check out the live to kind of hear the conversation in its entirety with all the kinks (laughs) and technical difficulties and all. Um, but you'll just be a part of that conversation. So the next thing that you'll hear is that conversation between Morgan and I. Um, I'm super excited about tonight. We have Morgan. I'm about to say Whitney. (laughs) (laughs) We have Morgan Stewart with us. Um, no, I was going to say the way I, you know, the way I'm extra spelling in my phone. Um, but Morgan's hanging out with us tonight for part three of our political realness discussion. Um, we're going to just continue the discussion as voting is literally now two days away, really, if you don't count today. Like um, Monday yeah. and then Tuesday is the day to vote and to um, make your voice heard. So we wanted to continue our conversation uh, we hope you enjoy the conversation. If you have questions, um, please feel free to let us know, uh, write it in the chat, because um, we do want to hear from you. Um, so we're kind of going to follow a similar platform to if you listen to the podcast, uh, we're going to follow the similar platform. Yes, we're live. And I'm super excited because this is my first uh, live episode of Faith in It with Kay. So I'm excited. Um, and of course, I think, Morgan, you were were you my first guest? Um if not, you were like my first or second guest, so it's 
probably one of them. And this yeah. is my first live on my business page too. Oh, see, perfect. So we have a bunch of firsts happening yeah. on tonight. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to have this conversation with you. I'm excited um, to have you here. And you're also finishing off season three of Faith in It with K. So it's a lot of things happening tonight for Faith in It with K. So um, I want you, if you can, for any voter um, that has not listened to any of um, any of our episodes, they might not know these things about you, but I'm going to ask you to tell us something that 2020 has taught you. Like you shared that before, I, I believe on uh, episode um, or on part one, I believe it was. Um, but can you just go ahead and it might be new because 2020 is teaching us a lot of things very quickly. So there, there's new things <laughs> right, like around the corner, like everywhere you look, there's something happening. So, right. Yeah. We're learning that every second it shows. <laughs> yeah. There's some always happening. So can you just tell us, um, you know, something that 2020 has taught you so far? So I would say, and I think I mentioned something like this in one of the previous episodes, is the fact that 2020 has taught me, and from what I've seen, a lot of people how to be resilient and resourceful. Um, you know, I keep hearing everyone saying, throw 2020 away, oh, it's over, and all this. But there are some good things that came out of it, the fact that um, especially for business owners and small business owners, this is something that I particularly pay close attention to. The fact that a lot of them have started to really flourish mm -hmm. and started to really take some time that they probably wouldn't have had originally if it wasn't for uh, the pandemic, sitting them down True. and making them be still for a second and kind of reevaluate themselves. And it kind of taught me how to do the same thing too, yeah. how to, um, I think, reevaluate what I have on the table as far as my skills, what I need to learn, um, and what I need to improve on too. So I think those are kind of like the main lessons I learned. Um, one, how to be resilient, and two, how resilient our people are as far as starting their businesses and um, and maintaining them and learning also. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Those, that's, some, that's really some good things because um, you're absolutely right. I think 2020 has been an opportunity. Um, yes, there's some people that are like, throw it away, especially if you've lost some, a loved one. Uh, this year, yeah. this year has been particularly tough. Um, and, you know, at the same time, I feel like even within those blessings, like I didn't lose someone um, due to COVID-19, but I lost someone um, this year as well. And it's like, if you know God, because this is still a faith-based podcast, we're going to tell the truth. We're going to tell the truth about the different topics. Um, but if you know who God is, 2020, in the midst of all the despair and, and grief that you've endured, there's been such so many blessings that's taken place, whether that's in an area of your job, area of your finances, area of, you know, maybe even dreams that you've had um, that you just yeah. didn't have the time to pursue. And now you're pursuing it and God's like really blessing it. So I think, you know, in the midst of our grief, sometimes it's hard for us to take like take a moment and say, oh, okay you know, really, what has 2020 been like for me? Um, and I think when we have those moments to kind of like sit still and really think about it, we can find the blessings, we can find God's hands in some amazing ways in 2020. Um, I think, yeah. you know, some of us, like, including myself, like, I've, I feel like I've had more money <laughs> in 2020 than I've ever had. Um, <laughs> you know, and, you know, I look at it, and I'm just like, you know, I, you know, I'm, I got a house in 2020, which I didn't, I and didn't, congratulations thank on you. Too, yeah. Which is like amazing. Cause I'm like, <laughs> I didn't see this happening and definitely not in a year like 2020, like definitely not. Yeah. Like if God was going to do it any year, there was no thought in my mind that it would be a year like 2020, the way 2020 has been shaped up. So, you know, I think you're right. Like, you know, for those people who want to throw 2020 away, Take a take another look at 2020. Um, you, yes, you, we've lost some things. You've lost some things. It's been so, some really tough times. But when you take a look, can you find some good? Um, and can you find some good and, and see how God is kind of like really working in the midst of your grief, in the midst of those things that you've had to deal with? Um, so yeah, I love I love that you said that because it's absolutely true. Absolutely true. Yeah. 
Um, I think the next thing is, can you, for anyone, like I said, that's, you know, been under a rock and they've missed the episodes because you've been on every single season, um, <laughs> who don't know who Morgan Stewart is, can you take a moment to just tell them a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I am the owner of Branding You LLC. And um, of course, I'm on this platform. Um, I started this company, I want to say last year. Um, I was motivated to start because I was originally kind of working a job that didn't really allow me to really flourish as mm -hmm. far as marketing. Um, and I also have a really deep passion for helping small businesses. Um, and the main reason for that is because it's such a lack of education um, in the community, especially in minority um, minority built communities, mm -hmm. black communities, um, on how to start a business, business etiquette, customer service etiquette. I've seen so many posts online about people saying, well, this business is really great, but their customer service sucks. Yeah. Or how do I book? Or they don't have a website. There's a problem there. And my job as a marketer and as a consultant is to help you to find a solution by building your brand. Um, so my job is to help small businesses build their brand, um, whether they're new businesses or whether they're um, relaunching and they want to completely revamp. Um, you know, I've been on both ends of that. So it's definitely really beneficial to, to seek some kind of additional guidance when it comes to either launching or relaunching your brand, because I normally do some kind of research based on um, what's going on in the industry now. And I think that's what a lot of businesses don't really um, do. Sometimes they make the mistake of not really going in depth yeah. as much as they should. And that's something that I do as well. Um, in addition to that, I've done um, events that are based on women's empowerment and empowering people of color, black women, black men. Um, I, I definitely do want to, well, I kind of actually wanted to, do part two of the Women of Color conference that I did last year. Okay. Um, but COVID, so <laughs> so I can't do that this year. Um, I consider doing it virtually, but I do find that it's a lot more power in having physical networks, um, being able to walk up to someone and chat about your experience and maybe yeah. get your next job or maybe be able to get your next consulting gig if you wanted to do that. But yeah, I might consider doing it digitally because everyone else literally has gone digital with everything. Like yeah, there's so many digital conferences. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you know, I don't know. Like, what, like, it, it is a lot, a lot, a lot of digital conferences. Have you been to any this year so far? Or, yeah, I've been on the back end because. I also work full-time and in my full-time job, we normally work with webinars and virtual events and that's all we've been doing all year. Um, and all it's been doing lately has been ramping up. So mm -hmm. we've been doing things in um, for the banking industry, for the construction industry, um, digital pharmacy, pharmaceuticals, um, did I say healthcare? I don't know if I said healthcare, but um, a specific industries, yeah. Um, and we do create a virtual platform for them to network with one another. Um, they can jump off of that and go into a Zoom platform and okay. talk with one another. If they want to do that. Um, so we we are have we do have ways to keep it kind of innovative and keep it interactive as interactive as possible. And um, I think that that's another thing too that 2020 has taught us a, a bonus is that it not only taught us how to be resilient, but it also taught us how to be innovative um, and finding out how to create new solutions to older issues or new mm -hmm. issues. Yeah, yeah, that's true, that's true. Cause like everything literally is digital. Um, it is. <laughs> everything, and I, and I think like even um, businesses, like <laughs> the church has been um, really just learning how to adapt to, you know, the change in, because digital, especially for older Christians, it's been really tough to have to go on YouTube or Instagram or Facebook Live to kind of watch church. Now, yeah. as a, I do miss the contact of being in the building. So like I was telling people, I'm like, I don't 
and I know this is going to sound crazy, but I'm like, I don't go to church necessarily for the word, for the pastor preaching. Um, I feel like I get that. I can get that online. I can get, you know, a YouTube where uh, a pastor T.D. Jakes or Sarah Jakes Roberts, like I can get those different things. I can get the word online. What I can't get is that fellowship with other Christians is that hug that you get when you walk in or, you know, that encouragement that you get, like when you, you know, it's been a rough day or a rough week. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, that person like gives you a hug and it's like, it's going to be all right. I've been there. I know what you're going, you know, they can do that on the phone, but it's not the same as that person to person contact. So I, I will say that's something I've missed. Um, I still feel like I'm growing. Um, I think in this atmosphere it's taught us, even as Christians, how to um, navigate our faith differently um, and how to really learn what the church means. Cause the church was never a building. Um, we're the church. Um, and it's taught us to kind of like seek our own relationship with Christ. Cause I feel like before we could hide behind the fact that like, okay, we go to Sunday worship, uh, maybe Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Bible study, depending on when your Bible study um, lands, um, depending on your church, you know, some churches still have stuff on Friday. Um, so they have like three, at least three days out of the week where you're going solid, except for, you know, and then, so what is it? Yeah. Sunday, um, Monday or Tuesday, and then a Friday. Um, so for a lot of people, it's like, okay, I go Sunday. I'll be cool when I get back there on Wednesday. Then I'll get revamped, and then I'll go, and then, I'll, okay, maybe Friday I'll get something, then I'll go back on. But now, literally, you know, it, it is stuff still happening in the churches, but you, like, have to do the devotion yourself. You have to pray. You have to... Yeah. You have to really seek like that relationship with Christ a little bit differently for yourself. So it's been really interesting, I think, um, for us to kind of like really evaluate where our faith is um, and yeah. like our relationship with Christ. So I've enjoyed it and not enjoyed it all at the yeah, same that time. Definitely can be a challenge. Like, yeah. Whenever, like, just like with anything, like with exercising, like whenever it comes down to your faith, it's almost like an exercise because yeah. you tested on different things almost every day. Yeah. And with this digital world, you're kind of forced to exercise that that faith muscle a little bit harder than what you normally would. Yes. And um, I think that that's what makes it a lot more difficult with switching to digital. Digital makes everything convenient because yeah. you're still able to see and communicate, but you're not able to still feel that connection. You're not able to still feel that same experience. Yeah. So that's like the main difference right there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I just wanted to, I want to find out your thoughts as a voter. Um, what are your thoughts in this election, particularly as an African-American voter or, <laughs> you know, because, you know, that's the PC way of saying as a black voter. Um, what are your thoughts on this current uh, election season? Like, what are you, what have you been looking at? Um, what are like deciding factors for you? Because it's, it's been like a bit of a circus. Um, in certain aspects. So as, as a voter, what were, what are your thoughts? Oh, right. <laughs> it really is like just a long dramatic side. Just, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, one of the things that I will say is that, and this is what we talked about before, like I look for actual I look for policies, but I also look for plans of action. Mm. Um, some of the things that I have been paying attention to, attention to now, especially, has been um, how politicians have responded to COVID. Um, mm. You know, especially being that Trump is someone who just contracted COVID and was just cured in mm. yeah. <laughs> a day. Yeah. Bless him, Jesus. I don't. I don't know what to really say about that, honestly. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I really don't know what to say about that. Um, but I think that it's almost like I, I really can't really put it into words. Mm -hmm. But it's been very uh, almost trivial. Yeah. And as far as Trump, it's been very a very a very interesting ride. Yeah. Um, you've seen you've seen a great deal of his immaturity come out. 
Um, I think in his mind, he probably either felt that he could not get the virus or he felt that the virus probably wasn't real. And he even made fun of Biden for wearing a mask. And I think a lot of us all figured, found this out, the fact that he knew about the virus way ahead of time. And there was no type of action. There was no plan of action in place, especially if you know that there's a deadly virus. Not just die alone, but to suffer before they die. Yeah. That's the most terrible thing ever. <clears throat> and that's something that honestly I don't wish on anybody. So this is something that has affected hundreds of thousands of people, not just in America, but across the globe. And to react, it, it seemed like his reaction was nonchalant at first. There, it wasn't really, it wasn't really backed by a lot of mm -hmm. um, research. It doesn't seem like, because even in the beginning, they were telling us not to wear masks. That's how a lot of people ended up getting the virus in the first yeah. place. Um, another thing I look at is the response to black issues. Um, a lot of the current events that have been going on, um, you know, even if he does have other policies that I agree with, Trump does, mm -hmm. I still disagree with the fact that he is so distant from the entire movement of uplifting black people, of eliminating um, oppression or decreasing it. I mean, I know it's not going to be eliminated completely, but just to a point to where you at least acknowledge it, to where you take, you start taking steps towards, towards just reducing that at least. Yeah. It's hard. I think that with him, it's hard for him to really understand because he's never really walked in the shoes of a black person or a minority or someone who or has poor. been um, yeah. who, who has been yeah. poor. I think that, yeah, so as far as being able to connect with people, I think that's something that I look for um, more than anything. I mean, with politics, it's going to be really hard in general because they're, they're putting whatever they communicate out there, they're putting their messages out there to appeal to different audiences specifically. And um, you know, when it comes to the faith conversation, Trump especially has tried to appeal to that. And it just, to me, it came off really ingenuine. Mm -hmm. um, and Biden has done the same thing by placing some of his ads on religious websites and stuff like that. So they're, they're kind of, they're taking, um, I would, I wouldn't say unconventional, but it just, it's something that would be typical in the eyes of somebody who is trying to attract a certain audience and attract a certain vote. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I will, you mentioned having, um, cause this is new for me. So this is new for me when you said that there are some Trump's policies that you agree with. So I don't, I don't fully know all of his policies. Cause there are so many that I don't agree with. So can you no, talk a little no, bit about I mean, the ones? There were some, certain ones that I don't agree with. So can you talk <laughs> a little bit? I, I think like it's important to also shine a light on these, you know, the policies that are agreeable. So for you as a black voter, what are some of the policies or as a Christian or, you know, just encompassing who Morgan is, what are some of the, um, the policies that you saw that you could kind of like, okay, this, I'm okay with this policy or I can agree with this policy. Yeah, well, I, I think, I mean, one of the things that I agree with is I do agree with the messaging as mm -hmm. far as the faith conversation, but I don't agree with how it's being put out there and the purpose for it. Um, I haven't really gone too deep into his policies like that because of the fact that I don't really see myself voting for someone who is who is affiliated with racist organizations mm -hmm. or who supports racist organizations. So honestly, I haven't really dived deep into that. Yeah. Um, but I feel like there are certain things that Biden has over him that that can have a, a leg up over him um, as far as how he responds to COVID, as far as the student loan uh, debt organization, um, or not organization, but the conversation about student, loan, student loans and debt. Um, 
raising minimum wage to at least 15 an hour. Mm-hmm. There are people out there who are struggling right now on what the current the current minimum wage rate is right now. Yeah. So, and then in addition to that, um, I feel like on both ends, it's hard to really, um, it's hard to really decide who's really being genuine mm-hmm. on this as far as the conversation about black issues. Um, you know, both of them can say that they're going to do certain things about it, but it doesn't mean that there actually are. Um, being that the fact that someone like Biden, he does kind of, he, he has dabbled in pandering for the black vote. Mm-hmm. And he didn't have to do that. You can still be genuine without having to pander for the black vote or mm-hmm. trying to say things that you think is attractive or try to uh, try to speak to us on a lower level, so to speak. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I think I think it's really tough, like during any political year when especially um, I think we mentioned this before, like oftentimes I think there are white Americans who feel this way. But I think black Americans are constantly facing the position of um, voting for a wolf or voting for a lion. It's it's always a lesser to evil kind of vote. It's never um, necessarily two really great candidates who have um, just the interest of people in general at hand or at, at the center of their heart and, and their policies. It's always I got to choose the one that you know I might die a little bit, but you know, or I might I might get hurt, but I'm not gonna die, like. You know what I mean? Like, your policies are not going to kill me. (laughs) And, like, when you really think about it, that's literally what we're constantly doing. It's like, you know, for us now, like, the decision right now for most people um, is, okay, if Trump's in office, I can particularly, like, my family is literally dying, especially, like, his response to COVID and, and like, that his, his, (laughs) what's a nice word? His, um, he he does not he does not want to um, denounce uh, uh, racist acts by white supremacists or even put that out there that there's a rise in I think his own um, national security say that again that right there is a complete deal breaker for me yeah and like his own national security um, I forgot what the the head of that um, division is um, that deals with kind of like looking at ther- terrorist threats and different things like that within the United States. So the highest person in that position has already said that the highest level of threat comes from white supremacists. It's not all these different groups that Trump keeps throwing out. It's not the black and brown community. It's not Middle East. Like, it's no no one in the Middle East. Like, yes, there are threats that are coming from these different places. Um, but the biggest threat that America faces is within its own country. It's within its own land. It is the rising of white supremacists um, and really white supremacists as it pertains to um, their attack on people of color. So particularly um, black people. So it's just like, when you really think about it- It also ignores the conversation of the fact that we have terrorists within our own country. Yeah. It's not, it's not categorized as such. Yeah. There are people, and this is what we talked about before, there are people that can shoot up a movie theater. There are people that can shoot up a school. These are brutal acts. Yeah. Yeah. A church. (laughs) You know, a church. You have people who are racist who are still making death threats against people of color and black people. There are racist people who are still um, hanging people from trees. Yeah. There have been instances where people have been found hanging from trees and they've been trying to kind of put it off as this is a suicide. No person would do something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So those times, that that stuff is completely racially charged and it's it's no way of of dancing around that. Right. But again, a person like that will find a way to dance around it. Yeah. and, And even if he were to say okay, um, or even there, there 
I don't know. I think that there there has to be a way for him to kind of hold these people accountable, at least to not say um, at one point, like he said, there were good people on both ends. He's, it sounds like he wants to kind of straddle the fence, but at the same time, he doesn't want to openly yeah. that he is affiliated with these yeah. organizations. And it's like, you can't really say that there are good people on both uh, sides. Like, it's like, there are the oppressed people, and then there are the oppressors. Where are the good people on the side of the oppressors? You know what I mean? He's like, ignoring the reason why people are fighting. He's completely ignoring the reason why yeah. people are protesting. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's almost like the conversation of, um, you know, a person might completely continue to antagonize a person or a certain group over and over and over and over. Yeah. And when they finally snap, oh, what's wrong with them? They're yeah. crazy. No, there's a reason behind all this. Yeah. Stuff. And I think that's a discussion that's been happening too. It's like there's there are so many people in white America that's been saying like, oh well, I don't mind the protest, but why are y'all burning stuff and why are y'all doing this and why? And it's like there there literally are people, um, black people who have they've snapped um, and they they've had enough. And and it's also important to note that in a lot of those protests, there were uh, white people that were inciting those different incidences. Um, in order to kind of put a negative light on the protest and to take off the fact of like it was protesting for rights, equal rights, and for just simple arrests. Like it, it's simple arrests for murdering people. Um, whether or not you want to call them racist, there's some definitely some level of discrimination if you want to put it that way. Um, and I and I think like at the end of the day, people always shy away from that word. Oh, I'm not racist. I'm not racist. Um, and it's like. I think too, because of the way media and just different uh, mediums portray us as black people, um, we're often seen as thug, criminals, um, uneducated. So with those different things, and then we have a lot of white police policing black communities. Community yeah. to answer questions, all of that stuff. He uses that to clap back at people online or to, um, to, to just write and to respond every time the media says something about him. Yeah. He doesn't, I don't know who his PR is. <laughs> He's not <laughs> listening he to that person, I promise you. <laughs> I said, whoever that person is, they can't tell him what to do. And I think that's just the biggest problem in his presidency. <laughs> um, there is no one, not even God, that has his ears. And Shar said, or the women that have been sterilized like prison, like the prison camps of World War II. Yes, because he did do that. Um, so now the women who are coming over and they're catching at whatever borders or wherever um, that people that are coming in illegally, oh, quote unquote, um, yeah. they are so uh, like they are sterilizing them at the borders. So to not have um, what they call anchor babies. So babies who are born here in the US, um, but their parents are illegal. So in order to stop that from happening, his administration have been forcing women to get um, their tubes tied at the border. And a lot of the time they were people who don't understand what's going on. So sometimes a lot of the times the women didn't know what was going on and what was being done to them. Um, they were forced, like it's been reported that they were forced um, to get that done. And it's like, so you're not against, you're against abortion and these different things when it doesn't, when it benefits you, you know, because if you're against abortion because it's killing a baby, why would you then force someone to get a vasectomy? Because in a sense, you've killed all the babies, all the future babies, they can never have any more babies. So you committed, yeah. you know what I mean? If you want to go that if far you, and say those different are, things. Yeah, if you actually are, um, and Hazel said they've had hysterectomies. Um, as a veteran African American woman, we really had to vote. Yeah, yeah. Two million early votes have been done. Go vote. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, they oh they had a hysterectomy. They didn't get them tied. Okay. Wow. So okay. So the fact that they don't know what's being done to them that's even worse than how they try to make it seem. How they try to make abortion seem. Um, I feel like if you are completely pro-life, be completely pro-life. Yes. You don't, like, and, and don't do it in such a brutal, that's terrible. Yes. 
Yes. Don't so in such a brutal way without them knowing. I mean, I feel like at least put some kind of policies in the place to to reunite them with their families, send them back home, get some kind of stable, um, like build a stable community for them, build stable resources for them so that they can survive when they do go back. There are reasons why they do come here because they think it's better opportunities. Yeah. And but even I mean, even with us and people of color, sometimes it is harder for us either way. So even when they do come here, when they do um, start to elevate into themselves, it's still hard. It's still almost as hard for them as it is for us. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. I think that it just comes down to creating better resources for them, better resources for us in order to um, in order to grow also. Yeah, I agree. And I, and I think, too, it's important um, to note that a lot of his uh, policies and just different things, they are really just attacking black and brown people. So there's been a lot of, like, when it comes to DACA and Dreamers, a lot has been said about how the black and community, black and brown communities are um, benefit from that. So Mexico was put at the, the forefront of that and attacked the most. But that policy doesn't just help Mexicans. It helps Black people, so from the islands, it helps people. There are a lot of white Europeans who've been coming over here and are illegal immigrants. But when they were deporting people, they weren't deporting the Europeans. They were deporting Mexicans, um, Islanders. So they were deporting at a higher number, the black and brown communities. But there are quite a large number of people who come over from Europe. Um, so in certain places, you don't just cross the border you take a plane and you just stay and don't go home. <laughs> so, like at the end of the day, like they can they can be they can be identified a lot easier than yeah someone who is white who can easily mask themselves. Yeah, or just modify their accent. Yeah, which is true because it's like when you think about it, but no one no one really says to the person who is from Europe, go back to your country, but they will say to the black person who has an impeccable American accent, go back to your country. Well, what is my country? You know what I mean? So I, I think like it's important to note that it's all tied up in like racism um, because it's like that person like Melania, Melania does not speak English. She don't speak English. And at the end of the day, it's like if Melania and uh, and Michelle, they wanted Michelle Obama and Barack Obama to go back to where like to their country. I've not heard anybody tell um, Melania to go back to her country or to speak English because she doesn't really speak English, which is why probably, you know what I mean? So it's, it's just like at the end of the day, you know, like at the end of the day, let's let's be honest. Let's be honest about what's being put in, put in front of us. Um, let's be honest about the racist Congress and, uh, or, or Senate, really. Let's be honest about that because I think we often really just focus on the presidency, but there's so much more at hand. There's so much more like that Senate, they've got to come out because when you look at it, it was that very same Senate that was sitting really, um, I think only a few of them got in um, since President Obama left um, as president, but they were there to block President Obama when, when there was a, a, a seat vacant on the Supreme Court. I think it was almost almost a year, before, like almost a year. Or so it must have been like nine months to the to the next election, and they blocked him. They blocked him from being able to fill that seat because they said it's too close to an election year. Let's fast forward to now. That very same Senate says it's okay. It's okay, Trump. You can put your. Um, we're gonna put your um, nomination, you can not only make a nomination, but we're going to put your nom your nominee in place of the Supreme Court less than a week before the election. <laughs> so it's important to note that not only is a president racist, but that Congress is racist. And when we think about it, it's sad to say it's like, we're no longer back in old times where we needed the, the Republican Party was the party that freed us, quote unquote, freed us. Let me say, let, you see my air quote, quote unquote, freed us. They didn't free us because uh, they cared about the trials of the black Americans or slaves. They freed us because it was a financial gain. 
let's 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 go back to the Republican Party has never changed. They're still so they're still about money. Whereas a Democratic, so I'm not for like I'm not pushing either party on anyone. Yeah. Uh, whereas the Democratic Party, they are more liberal, which is why they did not want to free the slave because most people back then did not want to free the slaves. Um, so they are always for what the people as a whole want to do. And like I think at the end of the day, I must feel about money. Right. Conversation with with someone earlier today, like we were talking about the whole healthcare and how Trump wants to abolish that completely. Um, the affordable healthcare thing. Mm -hmm. So it's really interesting that you have other countries that have universal healthcare that that where people can actually feel like their well being is taken care of. Whereas you're here. There have been minorities, there have been black people turned away, or they have been left to die because of mm-hmm. COVID because they don't have proper health care. Yeah. Um, and in, even if it wasn't for COVID, there have been other health issues that people have had, probably underlying health issues. Um, we've spoken about this before, too. Yeah. If we, me and you were to go to the doctor, it's hard for us to actually find a credible doctor that's actually going to listen to us yeah. because of the fact that either one, they're going to try and prescribe some kind of prescription for whatever it is that's minor that we probably don't need a prescription for, yeah. or they're not going to hear what we have to say and then we'll have to keep bouncing from doctor to doctor. Yeah. It's it's an ongoing battle. Yeah. So even when it comes to um, the healthcare situation, it's, it's something that is really important because there's such a high percentage already right now of I don't know the numbers off the top but I know that um it's it's high enough to where it's significant mm-hmm. for black families who don't have health care right now. Yeah. So imagine if something happens, especially right now during the pandemic, especially let's say months ago when the pandemic the pandemic was even more at the height and at a higher height of um, what it is now. I mean, numbers are starting to spike, but still, um, you know, even with that, it's, it's something that's going to be detrimental to them because they're left trying to pick up the pieces and mm-hmm. trying to figure out what do we do next? Yeah, yeah. And I think, I think like, what I fully respect is uh, Kamala, Kamala, I can never say her name right, Kam- Kamala Harris. <laughs> Look, there goes my immigrant uh, um, popping out when you can't say someone's name right. Um, but I fully, I fully like support her nomination. Like, I don't, I know, I don't know all of her policies, and yes, all of her policies has affected us in negative ways. Um, I think it's very hard to find a politician whose policy has not affected the black community because we are so, we are so oppressed. Um, and this country really does thrive off of our oppression. So it's really hard to find like any politician that has not benefited from our oppression. Um, yeah. But I will say I've always respected her outspokenness um, like as a senator, um, whenever something ain't right, uh, sis is always speaking up um, and she's always being called angry or whatever it may be, angry black women. Um, she is. She has been an embodiment. She has been an embodiment of my voice. So <laughs> I I I respect it because you know what I mean? She speaks up even when it's unpopular. She speaks up even when it looks it's gonna uh, affect her negatively. And I will say that I'm excited, I'm ready for a a Biden Harris uh win. Um I'm excited really for sis, like to go ahead and let me see what she's about to do. Um, because I, I fully believe that she won't let policies just slide by. Like, of, of course, I believe there, there, she has her own puppet strings uh, behind her, but I, I do believe that she is human enough, and I do believe that Biden is human enough um, to where those policies won't kill us like Trump's policy has literally been doing. I think more and more Black people have died at the hands of um police in just more brutal ways. I don't know the numbers, but I'm sure if we look up the numbers, this this particular this particular presidency has been more. Slightly more. But most of it has been it's 
recorded now. A lot of it's being broadcast now. Yeah. Um, thankfully, due to phones and due to people just yeah. um, being there to advocate. But I think what is devastating is the fact that, you know, you feel more protected if someone is pointing a phone. But at the same time, that doesn't always equal justice. You yeah. can watch, like, Philando Castile, he literally was reaching. Yeah for a while there was there was nothing threatening about what he was doing at all and he was killed all of it was caught on on camera but still here we are there are countless there there's a countless number of black men and women even before i want to say 2013 or so when people really started going in with recording maybe 2011 2012 people really started going in with recording stuff because we had that ability um but it's really hard because the justice system is so skewed to where even if we were to present that, there would still be a loophole. There would still be a way for them to try to to change that narrative as, mm-hmm. oh, well, he shouldn't have been doing this or he shouldn't have been doing that. No. Yeah. It doesn't, when nothing warrants for someone to be have to, to, to have to be physically executed. Yeah. Yeah. And Hazel said she has to jump up and she's doing a veteran event. She I saw her say she was doing a veteran event for Biden. Good luck on that, Hazel. Well, good luck with your event. So yeah, that's awesome. Good luck with your event. Like and I think um one of the things too is I will say Biden, a uh, Biden Harris uh, office is definitely more in touch with the needs of the people as a whole, as a country. Um, they're more in touch with whether it's they have veterans in their family that, or they have a family that they care about. Let's say it that way, because I'm sure Trump has veterans in his family. Um, I'm sure they're there. So let's say they're more in touch because they care about their families. So they have veterans. They have blacks. They have. They care about, you know, Kamala Kamal is a woman, so she cares about her women's right. Um, I will say from what I can, I don't know pers- like Jill, um, Dr. Uh, Jill Biden, um, I don't know very much about her, but she obviously has carried herself even as uh, uh, when uh, Joe Biden was vice president, she still carried herself with a certain level of power um, in her own right. Um, and yeah. So, you know, I think you can definitely see that Biden definitely has a respect for women in general um, and yeah. women, the power of a women um, to kind of do and stand in their own. Um, so I, he cares about family because he cares about his whole entire family. Um, I don't I don't know what Trump cares about other than money. Um, so I will say that it. To me, it's very clear, but for whatever reason, there are still people who are undecided. Um, And if you're an undecided Christian, I would really just urge you to really think about uh, the life of Jesus in this way of Jesus came and he came to give life and life more abundantly. And at the very, like when we look at his his life, his life was, um, how can we feed the poor? How can we help those who are being oppressed? How can we speak life to them? How can we build them up? How can we love on them? That was that was his ministry, literally. His ministry was all about love and building up those who are oppressed and those who are poor and really being a voice for them. Now, you have to, you have to, if you say you're a Christian, you have to kind of take a look. There's no candidate that will encompass everything that like the whole character of God, um, because we as human There's beings no human ourselves, <laughs> yeah, and we as human be- beings, we don't do that. We can't even encompass the full, the wholeness of who God is and who Christ is. Um, but at, our very, at the very least, we can search for those qualities that we know um, Christ stands for within these people. And I think that's what I would like to ask everyone who is undecided. Um, if you are a Christian, um, honestly, if you're a human um, and you just care about people, please take a look at the candidates and how they're, they've treated people. Like, I think you can see yeah. Biden's um, 
how like how he's treated people as a vice president and how he's treated people as a senator and how he's treated people like you can see there is a certain level of well treatment for people and even in the black community the black community here in delaware still has really great things to say about him um as someone who is who who does treat the black community like of course he's all he does come across pompous pompous a lot of the times. So, you know, I, I still have my reserves about him. Um, but at the end of the day, when I'm to look at both of them, I really have to say that I do believe that his policies um, care about me a little bit. Well, no, yeah. a lot more, yeah. a lot more yeah. than Trump because his policies care about me. His policies care about me as an immigrant. His policy cares about me as a woman. His policy cares about me as a black person like his policy care more about me and all of these qualities that make me who I am, all of these character categories that I belong to are categories that Trump is attacking. Um, and literally I can't like literally Trump is attacking me. <laughs> so um and speaking of attack, <laughs> I feel like everything that he's done during his campaign is not most of everything that he's done during a campaign has been built on attacking yeah. and not so much built on policy. That's yeah. why it's so hard for me to really like remember, okay, were there any that really stood out? I mean, I know for the most part, most of his policies that he's proposing, I disagree with, but it was hard for me to really find anything that I really agree with. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, in addition to that, it's, it's always, okay, this is what Biden's not doing. This is what he didn't do during his administration. This is what Obama did. I'm trying to undo what Obama did. What about his whole presidency has been undoing <laughs> what President Obama d did and taking credit for literally the reaping of what the policies President Obama put in place. Like, I think he is so far removed and so delusional that he doesn't understand that laws, not executive orders, like, but actual laws don't just, you don't see the damage that they've actually caused if they're damaging laws. You don't see it right away. Most of his laws and policies won't, you won't see the effect of or the damage of them until after he's gone from his presidency because it takes a while. Yeah. Like loss of money, especially in a country, takes a while to kind of see how big how big that loss is, how big that damage, like it's a whole country. So it's not like his, his, his smaller companies where you can see, and even in like those companies, sometimes it's six months or a year or whatever before they actually see exactly where the loss is and what's happened. And sometimes it takes them a little bit longer depending on how big the company is. So the same yeah. way the company runs is the same way the country runs. But the country is so big that a lot of his policies won't, we won't see how how terrible they were like we we know how terrible they were but we won't see the effects of them until he's gone from office and i don't think he understands that he's been reaping and benefit from policies that president obama put in place so literally little by little he was cleaning up the economy with his laws and now we were in a better place and and he's like you know all these jobs that he's given people Literally, it's a pandemic. Uh, a lot of people lost their jobs. And then the pandemic wasn't over, but there was an opening of countries and jobs. And then people got rehired. It's not new jobs. It's the same jobs for a lot of people. They just got their jobs yeah, back. People, a lot of people have been furloughed and brought back, honestly. Yeah. Um, I've seen that at where I work right now. I mean, people, I, and I didn't even think that they were going to do, I've never seen that happen before. Yeah. Um, but yeah, from, I want to say April all the way up until now, some of them are just now starting to come back. Yeah. Yeah. And he's taking credits for creating new jobs. I would hope not. I would hope not because. Oh no, he has. Creation of a job would have to, to creating an actual job, not giving you back the job that you had before. <laughs> he has, he has. Um, I really, you know, because I realized we probably should, uh, we're gonna close out soon, uh, but I do want you to just like briefly talk about um, the marketing tactics. You kind of alluded to the pandering of uh, the black community through Christianity. 
Um, and even, you know, the evangelical community really um, have benefited from Trump's pandering um, as well. But it's just like, can you just talk a little bit about as a marketer, some of the marketing tactics that you've seen both candidates use um, during their uh, this election? Well, what I would say is that uh, there are quite a few tactics that they use, and there are a few do's and don'ts that we all can take away from this entire campaign. Number one is with social media. Um, that That's a clear giveaway with, with the way that Trump handled his social media mm-hmm. during the, the four years of his presidency. It's been really juvenile, honestly. Yeah. Um, you know, if you have a problem with how the press is presenting you, you can contact them, take it up with them personally, or have somebody contact them. Um, with Biden, I feel that he's, I feel like Biden, because of the fact that Trump has been kind of, um, I guess, on the don't side as far as well, the PR end, mm-hmm. um, he's kind of been like, on everyone's good side, or not everyone, but people who are pro-Biden, pro-Biden um, voters, good side as far as what to do. He's been careful. Um, and, what, <laughs> and what he has been doing that um, even other people can benefit from, small businesses too, is that he's used it as a platform to connect mm-hmm. with people, to communicate with people, to educate people. And that's really the purpose of being a public figure on social media. Um, When you're a public figure, period, your job is to, or when you're a public figure in politics, your job is to to motivate how people feel about you. Yeah. So Trump has really displayed certain characteristics that that really prove that he just does not care. Yeah. He doesn't care about what people think about him. Um, And it's very... um, it's very, it comes off very arrogant in a sense of, well, I know that they're going to vote for me. And then Biden also comes off arrogant too in the fact that, hey, I know they're going to vote for me because they don't like him. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And, um, also with websites, um, both of them, they, they've been on different websites. They've been on different, um, not just websites, but certain platforms that they use. Um, I have this app on my TV called Pluto, mm-hmm. where you can watch um, free channels and stuff like that. I've seen a number of Trump ads over the summer up until now, and I'm guessing Pluto is a, a pro-Trump app. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's really interesting how they place certain ads. I might be watching CSI in Miami, and you'll see an ad come up for um, for anti-defunding police and stuff like that. Oh, wow, okay. Also, yeah. They, they That's smart. Doing. One of the things to do, to do too is when you see certain ads, pay, pay attention to not only what you're seeing, but where they're placing these ads, what kind of um, mediums they're using, what kind of um, people they're using in the actual mm-hmm. campaign, the music, the mood, all of that stuff. As a marketer, Sorry, as a marketer, I'm paying really close attention to that stuff. And I wrote down a few sites, too, um, that Biden particular uses. Um, One is WebMD. Mm. And on there, he uses the message of for the health of the nation. The other one is Patheos or Patheos. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly, but it's a faith-based, it's a religion website. Um, And on there, his messaging is, for the soul of the nation. Mm. So it's really interesting that he's delivering the same message, but he's using certain buzzwords that he knows are going to really reach that community. Yeah. So whether you're using paid ads, social media, whatever, it pays to pay attention to what kind of buzzwords people are paying attention Mm -hmm. to, what websites they're going to be frequenting, what kind of, um, what kind of ad should I use? Even if I change one small detail of this ad, it's going to be appropriate for this other site. No two types of campaigns should be exactly the same if you're targeting more than one audience. So um, another thing I noticed was um, the fact that 
Biden, he, he's focused on building a community, like I said, with his social media. But I also just discovered that he has an app called, mm. it's called Vote Joe. And um, it's kind of like a, I guess, a community app, like almost like a social app. Mm-hmm. I didn't look too deep into it, but it's really interesting um, because I think it's his way of also seeing what people are saying seeing how people are spreading the message about his policies and stuff like that. Um, and also, what I've seen both of them do is take jabs at one another. And that's, yeah. I feel like that's just all part of the whole competitive nature of it. I've seen brands do this. Apple does it. Samsung does it. They both mention each other in ads at times. Yeah. Um, and I think it's it's just the, they, they kind of tend to that comedic aspect of it. But sometimes it is kind of funny when they do stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, because it shows you it honestly it shows you how petty they can be, yeah. but how truthful they are at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I think I love that you said that because it is true. Like, you know, and that's actually really smart, like as you talk about um I just see inside Miami and placing it like an ad on criminal uh or for the police, uh, which is really interesting because I still don't believe Trump is for the police at all either. Like I don't, um, none of his language speaks to that. When you really think about it, it's like, you know, denouncing uh, what's anything that's been going on. So like the murder of unharmed black men and women and no point has he said, or maybe I've missed it. Let me say that. I've not heard him say anything that is pro police. Um, within those same breath, I think it's been pro um, <laughs> white supremacists. Um, well, more conversation. I, mean, I think it is pro police because in that one ad that I saw, it was no, no, like his his language, him speaking, so him saying like out of his mouth. What is like? Was it his voice in the ad? No, it was just um, it was a voiceover. And yeah, it was just saying this is what can happen. It was just showing riots in the streets and stuff like that, saying this is what can happen if, um, if we defund the police. And it made it seem like there's absolutely no nine one one. This dash the call. So I hope you on you really enjoyed that conversation. You go ahead and check out the conversation in its entirety on at Faith in It with K's Instagram page. Um, I want to share the scripture. For Proverbs 28, um, verse 2, and this is the message version. It says, when the country is in chaos, everybody has a plan to fix it, but it takes a leader of real understanding to straighten things out. So it is my hope, it is my prayer um, that America will finally begin to heal, finally begin to um, heal its wounds because it's been wounded, but I think the last four, honestly, the last 12 years have just revealed just how wounded it is. This all started with President Obama. Like, during his presidency, the things that we saw as a country, as Black people, was just so much hate. Um, And I think under... President Trump, it's just, wow. Um, It's just been an amazing and overwhelming amount of people. And uh, he has played it so well in continuing the division of this country and of its people. Um, So I, it is my prayer as Joe Biden and Kamala ran on the notion of it's time for the soul of America to heal. Um, that is my prayer, that there is a healing at the very root of the soul of this country because it's needed. Um, it's an amazing place. Um, it's an amazing place of opportunity. Um, so I look forward to these next four years of what's going to happen and what's next. Um I thank you for joining me for now three seasons 
Um, when I started this, I never would have imagined. Um, now looking at over 700 plays um, is amazing because I didn't imagine that happening. And I still sometimes feel like that this is not necessary, although it feels necessary to me that uh, people don't value it in such a way. But I thank you for continuing to listen. It. Listen, I thank you for continuing to join me on this journey and look out for season four, which will probably start about mid-December. So if you're not following the at Faith in It with K Instagram page, please, please, please go ahead and follow so you can stay updated on when our new episode's going to hit or going to be released. Um, look into get some new guests and just kind of continue this conversation. So continue this conversation of faith, continue this conversation of um, injustice, uh, continue this conversation really just ultimately about the faith walk of black Christians and particularly young black Christians um, that, and I hope you continue to join me for this ride. Again, thank you, thank you, thank you for joining me for now three seasons of Faith in It with Kay. So until season four, see ya. <laughs>